I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agape Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. And this week's guest host for the hotline episode is Dr. Celeste Holbrook. Dr. Celeste, as she is better known, is a sex educator who helps people create better sex through deconstruction and education. She speaks to audiences of all ages, diffusing the sensitive topic of sex through straightforward language and a knack for making the awkward approachable. Celeste, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I wore green because it's my first impression for many of your users. So (laughs) for many of your people. So I'm following the advices. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. You might be my first guest who actually is wearing green uh, on an episode that we don't even show the video on YouTube for privacy reasons, because people are asking live sensitive questions. questions. Sure. Sure. I love it though. I love it. And it's much appreciated. I am actually... I was gonna wear something else, but now I'm wearing pajamas because my kids insisted on matching pajamas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is real true life. Yes. True life. True life. Um, mm-hmm. Can you believe it's been two and a half years since we spoke to each other? Uh, oh, I feel like it's crazy. Really? Oh my gosh. That is yeah. bananas. I feel That's like maybe, maybe it's two years, but I feel like yeah. it's been a long time and it doesn't it's feel that long. Enough. It was like weird. As I was going through notes from the last time we spoke, I was like, why do I feel like I spoke to her like a week ago? And it's because we follow each other on social media. Yeah, it's because we follow each other on socials. <laughs> and then that is one of the beautiful things about social media. We, we, it gets a bad rap, but I feel like I'm close to people. I'm not actually, uh, you know, in the same state with, so I, I love it. <laughs> uh, yes. And to piggyback off that, uh, last week I was in LA for uh, a big meeting, but, uh, I decided to do a little cocktail party yeah. for anyone who wanted to come and like a hundred women showed up and like two men. Uh, and it was very interesting to meet those women because one, they're absolutely incredible. Like yeah. I have to say, I'm really proud of the women that, uh, are attracted yeah. to me, like in the sense of like my messaging, right? Like they were just so down to earth and so warm and so sweet. And that's uh, you, you cultivate that. Give yourself yeah. some props. Yeah, I was, you I was really that. proud yeah. of myself. I went to yeah. bed, like super proud. I felt like, yeah, like yeah. these are cool. Pe- like to me, these are cool people. Yeah, because I I know I tried my best to talk to every single person that was there for a few minutes, um, if not more. And just everyone was like really nice. And I love that. And I just want to say, you know, shout out to my California girlies. Um, Next up, I'm going to see my D.C. girlies in February. uh, And I'm in talks to. I don't know, going to a few other cities throughout this year, apparently. If you ever um, want to come down South, I can set you up a cocktail hour in Fort Worth. So you're in Fort Worth. How, yes. Where is that in Texas? Te- Fort Worth, Texas. Google. Oh, it's just, it's just uh kind of South of Dallas ish. <laughs> Southwest of Dallas. I don't, I only know where Austin and San Antonio are. Um, we could do that. We could do Texas. either of those. Austin is fun. Austin might be a uh, better. Apparently I have like a lot of Houston girlies, uh, oh. following me. And that's so interesting. Okay. Let me see Dallas is next. Okay. Fort Worth. I see it. I've literally Googled the map of Texas. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Yeah, that's right. I, ne- I know where Houston is, of course, Maria. Come on. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's, you know, we got a, uh, someone else. Yeah. Someone else here is in Dallas and Fort Worth in the chat. I love it. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's funny is I actually just got invited to a wedding that's happening. Th- those people that met through my Instagram stories and then like yeah. on the podcast, like <gasps> on the podcast. Yes. Right. And like- they met on my Instagram stories. Right. So I just got invited to their wedding and I don't, and it's in, um, I think it's in Austin, but I have to check. Uh, it could be in Uvalde. I have not, <laughs> I have not, I've just glazed over the date. Um, but I, I can't make it cause that's the day of my son's freaking ballet recital. Oh no. Shoot. Which well, goes back to like my theory, like, like we should not be having ballet recitals on like Saturdays in June. Cause like, aren't those like wedding days? Yeah. Do we need to like, like, should, should this be a new, like, uh, holiday ish kind of understanding that like you block June Saturday in, in June for weddings. Like, yeah, just like I feel like ballet and tap recital should happen on a Monday night and a Tuesday night. Like to yeah. me, that's like, who's no, no one's doing anything those two days. Let's Agreed. have some entertainment, wholesome entertainment with our kids, kids. Yes. Yeah. Like Saturday. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, just, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Let's start that. <laughs> I'll send them a wedding gift um, <laughs> Perfect. We'll go from there yes. anyway. Well, uh, what's going on with you? How's, um, how's the sex game? I got your, I got your, you got me a shirt. I got you a shirt. Yes. Tell people what the shirt says. So I was going to wear the shirt, but it's really cold here today. So I decided to go with green. It says support local female orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> so, because that's what we do here. We support our local female orgasms, not our international, not, yeah, not the no, international, no, no, small local. business, small, small business. Yeah. <laughs> Shop local. Um, yes. Um, and so, yeah, it took me a minute, but I was able to get you one. And I was so, I feel so proud that you wore it too. <laughs> yeah. I was wearing it in LA and now I'm scared to kind of, I mean, I, my son doesn't read yet. He's five, but maybe I can still wear it here for my husband wants to wear it. So at first when he, when it, when I, <laughs> so when I had it, when I got the shirt, I put it in my office with like, yeah. you know, don't forget to wear it. I don't know why I had it in my office. Just had it in my office. Maybe it's cause I opened the mail here. And then my husband came into the office and he's like, is this for me? And I'm like, <gasps> If you want it, babe, you can have it. I'm not going to stop you from wearing a support right. local female orgasm. Yeah, it t-shirt. makes sense. I it think makes you should wear sense. it with a blazer. Yeah. Um, I think that's that excellent. Douchebag when we uh, <laughs> go bowling. It is a, it is a funny shirt. I don't typically wear it like, you know, out a lot, but I do wear it when I go teach and I do wear it, you know, when I'm like teaching at the sex toy store and things like that. So it does get right. a lot of good a lot of good, uh, it's a good opener for a conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. If I were, um, a sex educator, I, I just, I mean, I'm a matchmaker. Everything is heart-shaped in my, in my home. Uh, it would be the same thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everything so, is like dildo shaped in my home. So that's oh what we do. She's I mean, like dildo you guys, I, mean, I wish I you could see it. It's like a electric purple dildo in her hand. <laughs> Uh, and then she's got a black whip, a flogger, flogger, excuse me. I don't even know the lingo. Oh yeah. And, uh, I've got a a glass glass anal toy. We're going to have to put explicit on this episode. Uh, (laughs) I'm very excited to have you here, of course. Um, so Celeste, um, I am so excited that you're here because last week I started getting a lot of questions about something I not really familiar with and you know me, I'm happy to admit when I don't know something and you're here 
So let's talk about it for a second. And I don't even know how to pronounce it, even though I'm pretty sure it's a Greek word. Maybe Uh, fun. What are you talking about? Vaginismus or? Yes. Sounds like a Greek last name. Say it one more time. (laughs) Vaginismus. Yeah. That sounds like my last name. (laughs) Maria Avgatidis. Maria (laughs) Vaginismus. Like, I don't hear the difference. Do you? I have never thought about that before in my life, but now I'm never going to stop thinking about that. It's like when you look at the word gingivitis, I'm like, yeah, I'm related to them. Yeah, sure. That's hilarious. Um, vaginismus. Vaginismus. It, it, it kind of like elevates it a little bit now. I'm like this, you know, yeah. So vaginismus is essentially, <laughs> uh, vaginismus is essentially, uh, when the vaginal canal kind of shuts down due to a lot of different reasons, but a lot of times it's caused by fear of sex. Um, a lot of people who grew up like I did in very conservative households in purity culture, um, grow up and have an in like an innate fear of sex, but sometimes you don't even know it kind of like in your brain, it's just in your, your body holds onto this message that sex is dangerous. And so vaginismus kind of happens when you maybe are about to have penetrative sex for the first time, or a lot for a lot of people, it's just, you're going through your first pap smear, or you're trying to insert a tampon for the first time or a sex toy for the first time. And you actually can't insert it, or it it is very painful to insert. And so it is the kind of constriction of the vaginal canal, um, in a, in a fear response, essentially. Wait, I always thought that vaginismus, um, was your vagina is shallow. Mm. I didn't realize you're telling me now that this is an, a physical response to emotion. Yes. Yes. And there's actually not a ton of research out there yet on it, but we're getting more. Um, and it is, so the kind of the way through is both a, like a physical work, like pelvic floor therapy and emotional work like therapy, um, to be able to undo the trauma response of understanding sex as inherently dangerous. I know. Hold up. I'm I'm trying to process this in real time. And it's like really blowing my mind right now because, uh, it's not, I just had like a preconceived understanding, I guess from like other people who have told me that they suffer from it. Um, I thought, oh, this person was born with this. Mm. Um, wait, is there something like this though? Am I like confusing it for something else? I mean, there can be like, just like we're all, we have body diversity. There are shorter or longer vaginal canals, or, um, sometimes you have cervixes or uteruses that are tilted and may cause it like a shorter vaginal canal. But as far as vaginismus goes, that is more of a psychological. There's no other V word that I'm misunderstanding here is what I'm asking. Um, there's vulvodynia, which is like pain on the vulva. Um, there's kind of, uh, vestibular, um, there's some other things, but that's not, uh, yeah, I don't think that's what you are thinking of. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when you say, so now you said other things about therapy Mm. that I don't know what that is. And maybe other people don't know what that is. So tell me more. What is like pelvic floor therapy mean? Yeah. So a lot of people go to pelvic floor therapy, like postpartum, um, mm-hmm. to kind of help you get your pelvic floor muscles back. I just so happen to have a pelvic floor right here. Of course, so none of y'all describe, listening can see it. <laughs> Let me describe to people that are listening what this is. So right now she is holding up uh, literally a pelvis skeleton that shows the bones. And then 
the muscle. muscular structure of the vagina and the anus. Yes, you got it. And we love Ooh. this one. Very good, Maria. We love this one because it actually shows the clitoris here. And so um, we've Wait, come a long what? way. What do you I mean know. the clitoris here? Stop it. Hold up. Okay. So the clitoris. What are you pointing at? So oh, this yellow the clitoris, part, yeah. The, the little yellow guy is what you see on externally, but the clitoris actually has crura or legs that go along the labia. Is that the Bartholin gland? Um, the Bartholin glands are a little different here. We'll do a smaller vulva. Now we've got the smaller vulva happening. We got our blue vulva. So okay, right now we have a blue vulva. <laughs> see, this is why when I say join me on a hotline live, you could be here. You could be here looking seeing the blue vulva. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Hold up. Yeah. So that's the clitoris. Yeah. This is the, this is the clitoris that you see. This is uh -huh. what we typically think of when we think of clitoris. It's the little glands that's on the outside. Right at but, the top. Uh, if we go underneath, right. Whoa, we have what? so much more to the it clitoris. It looks like baby lungs on each side it of does, yeah. the vulva. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. So this is the vaginal so canal. Behind the vulva. Mm-hmm. There, so do those have feeling then too, or is most yes. of the nerve endings at the top? No, there's lots of nerve endings under here, but all of the this is kind of underneath the labia or the lips of your vulva, and so um, it's not quite as sensitive. But if you masturbate and you, you know, a lot of people masturbate and just touch these like uh sides of the the uh -huh. labia the size instead of, the labia, of yeah. mm -hmm, instead of touching directly here or touch up here which is like the um this is the glands clitoris and then this is the shaft of the clitoris because actually this the clitoris and the penis are actually very similar um so you have the clitoris here every fetus has this shape until they until about eight weeks in utero and then if the fetus gets a y chromosome the clitoris actually elongates and becomes a penis, penis. Just like this. Yeah. And then the other ones are balls. Yeah. This can be, this, uh, turns test, into test, kind of uh, testicles, testicles yeah. excuse me. Yeah. It's and a little these, medical. Yeah. These crora kind of go back into the, um, penis owner's body and they are like the cantilever to an erection, just like this. There are people right now entering amazing. the zoom and they're just <laughs> watching you with a penis and I'm very That's excited for them. Um, you know, I, I really hope that my producer cuts this part into a video so I can post it in my oh, stories yeah. for uh, the only thing, just to see my facial reactions as you're teaching me more about my body, um, <laughs> that I had no idea of, yeah, even though my... I thought I was like pretty sexually experienced and like, I am, I am aware of my body. I was not aware, uh, that my clitoris looks like a pair of lungs behind my labia. So, yeah. uh, it does. That's fun. It is um, super okay, fun. So, it's my, so it's my very say, favorite thing. <laughs> okay. So now that you've given me like a clitoral one-on-one, yeah. what is a pelvic floor exercise? So when you go to pelvic floor therapy, you're essentially, um, like giving physical therapy to the muscles that have, like, especially when you go postpartum, you're giving physical therapy to the muscles that have held a baby inside forever and then pushed a baby out. But you might go to physical therapy for other reasons too, pelvic floor therapy for like incontinence or, um, painful sex or any number of reasons you might go. Um, but those are kind of the, the typical reasons you would go to pelvic floor therapy. And so it is really a licensed physical therapist who is trained specifically to um, help you exercise your pelvic floor. And so they're giving you different things. This is like 
this is like way past kegeling. <laughs> this is um, like they are maybe using um, uh, ultrasound. They are giving you specific exercises to work on. Sometimes there's actual palpation. So they might actually insert Would it digits be... into your oh. vagina. What? Okay. Wow. <laughs> Wait, would this be the same physical therapist that like works on like a bad knee or is this like a, like a different physical therapist? Same certification, but they have extra certification. So yes, a physical therapist that works on your knee can go get certified in pelvic floor therapy. I know <laughs> Maria, your face. <laughs> oh, someone has just enabled closed captioning. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. Unfortunately, the closed captioning is not translating my facial expressions. I know. <laughs> um, so Kegels are not pelvic floor exercises. Oh, they, they totally are. Pelvic okay. floor therapy is just kind of much more than that. Yeah. I just want to say if anyone just did a Kegel upon hearing me say Kegel, you owe me a five-star review on my podcast. Please go back <laughs> and just do it. Let's go. Come on. I'm making your vagina tighter. <laughs> yeah. In like yeah, a good yeah. way. Um, right. please let's go five-star reviews. Kegel, just put it in the comp. Just, just fine. Just I know you did it. it. We all did, you know, it. I did it. I did it three. I do three I'm, times every time I hear Kegel. I love this about you. And I also want to teach everybody to do a reverse Kegel as well. What which is, is a like, reverse Kegel? Okay. So a Kegel is in and up kind of like if you're doing them right now. Yes. We're yes, all doing a Kegel right in. now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In and up. So a reverse Kegel um, can make sex a lot better because you actually want your vagina to be a little bit like more open and ready for penetration. Like and flower. so reverse Kegel, <laughs> yes, is down and out. It's like you're, if imagine like if you're, you're birthing a baby, birthing a baby, pushing a tampon out, something like that. So reverse I can't Kegels, do that right now. I actually do have my period. Uh, yeah. Don't do that right now. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe but I when appreciate you it. I know, your tampon. <laughs> I know what you're yeah. saying though. I totally know what you're saying. Cause it's like, um, Wow. We're about to get TMI, Let's but I know it. I'm not the only one and that's, it's okay. That's right. Like, you know, when I take out a tampon, um, and I'm just like sitting on the toilet, I do reverse Kegels to be like, you know, maybe we can use less tampons. If some of that blood just uses gravity just and like, comes out and <laughs> it works exactly you right. see like a little pool of blood at the bottom of the water. And I'm like, Wow. Yes. So now for any of my male listeners listening to this, I swear to God, if you give me a one-star <laughs> review for show for expressing an actual female experience, I hope you go to hell. Yeah. Listen, we all need to like take a hot second and think about how we need to not be weirded out about periods. Like, come it's on. Such a natural thing right. that like literally one fourth of the world is on at any given point. That's correct. So um, yeah. So reverse Kegels yeah. can actually help you squirt. If um, squirting is on your list of new year's resolutions, um, Thank reverse you. It's not, but can help I you get appreciate there. that. You know, um, <laughs> I've, ne I've tried, I've never been able to, I think it's because I don't drink enough water for it's sure. <laughs> it's for sure because I don't drink enough water. Like <laughs> I, I know it says like, oh, first of all, my, my idea of water is this. It's the Costco seltzers. Well, buddy, I think that still works. That's fine. I'm drinking. Hey, listen, I'm drinking Topo Chico. So cheers. Mm. Cheers, lady. Mm. Yeah. I, I went to, um, I'm going to do a little reverse here since we're speaking about water for a second. I went to, uh, I went to a chiropractor last week. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't been to a chiropractor since before the pandemic. In fact, I've been to a chiropractor since my kid was like six months old, my first kid. So it's been like <laughs> five years. And, um, you know, I just felt like my back is whack. 
Like I definitely need an adjustment. Let me just go in. And I live in a different place now. So I'm not going to go to like my old chiropractor. So I go on the Facebook moms group that I belong to. I was like, what's the local chiropractor everybody loves. And everyone kept like mentioning this one person. So I was like, let me go there. And they had really good Google reviews. I got there. The man was like mid fifties, probably maybe early fifties. Mm-hmm. And he seemed really nice. Like everyone that came in was giving him like hugs and they were just very like chummy. He doesn't do appointments. Um, he only does appointments if it's your first time, but after that you can just come whenever and he'll give you an adjustment. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I wonder if this, I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter, but, um, I'm so curious about where the story is. Going. Yeah. You know, so he came in and he, I don't know how everyone else goes into like chiropractor appointments, but like, or just in general, like doctor's appointments. Oh, funny thing though. When he came in, he goes, you don't have to call me. I'm going to just call him John. You don't have to call me Dr. John. John is like, you know, John Smith, just call me John. And I'm like, I was not planning calling you anything. I know. I was just like, I wasn't planning on like using the term doctor <laughs> already. Like I wasn't, it was fine. Like, it's like my husband, my husband has a PhD. I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him Dr. Periotakis. That's like mortifying. Um, it's so weird when people even like send us letters that say like, do you, that means something. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a cardiologist. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, um, but anyway, I wasn't planning calling him anything. I just, he just came in and he, that's how he introduced himself. And I was like, okay. And like, my face was like this. Okay. <laughs> like just right. Got and it. then, um, and then he goes, you look really stressed out. And I'm like, I am stressed out. And he's like, well, what's stressing you out? And I'm like, oh, where to begin? You know, I've got two young kids. I have a business. I'm traveling for work in a few days. Uh, and I care for my disabled mother. Like that's a lot on my plate, you know, among other things that are like minuscule, whatever. Those are the big things. And he's like, okay, well, what are you here for? And I'm like, I need an adjustment. Like I just need you to, and so, you know, he's like, okay. He's like, whatever. Gives him a little chit chat. And then, you know, he bangs into my body and like cracks me into place. And I was really happy for exactly 30 seconds. And then he tells me that one, I'm really dehydrated and I should drink more water because not drinking water is like, like almost like a hangover for your muscles. And I was like, okay, good to know. So that's where that came from now that now you understand yeah. the connection. Yeah. But then like 10 seconds later, he goes, you know, you'd be more attractive if you smile. Fuck that guy. And my reaction was like, I didn't know how to like respond. I was just like, oh, okay. Thank you for your feedback. And he's like, this is just advice that I'd give my adult daughters. And I was like, "Mm." and he's like, well, I'll see you on Friday. And I'm like, yes, you will see me on Friday. And I'm like, I'm not going back. Like, I didn't know. I just (sighs) like froze, like, like whatever I felt in that adjustment, I immediately tensed up. Like even, I, I even did a oh, Kegel man. by accident. That's yeah. how tense <laughs> that's up how, I got. Like, that's I was how like, closed up you were. Ooh, Your body was yeah. like And reacting. then I go to oh, LA. I know. And then I, you know, I go to LA a couple of days later and I'm telling, I'm telling Louie, my chief operating officer, like this story. And he goes, well, you know, maybe he was just trying to be like, he couldn't get it. He was just like, you know, maybe yeah. he's just, you know, he did, he said something like, oh, this is something I would tell my daughters and I'm telling you. And he, I, I know he's like, just trying to be helpful. Maybe you, you know, he couldn't understand like he's never been on the internet. that was offensive. And well, that's not, but that's not the point, right? Like the point is like, I said to him, I go, and I said to him, I was like, has anyone ever told you to smile, to be attractive? Like also, why do I need to be attractive at the chiropractor's that's office? Correct. That's correct. 
like I totally like freaked out. I didn't tell my husband because every time I would go to like something would happen, like, you know, fucking kids, little parasites are so distracting when you want to like say, like, (laughs) (laughs) say like a dumb injustice that happened to you that day. Yeah. But I feel like if I tell a woman, like I told my best friend uh, a couple of days ago, she just like had the same reaction. You did like, what the hell? And like, just kind of, but like the guys don't get it. No. No. And I'm just like perplexed. Like I'm coming out as like, oh, she's overreacting. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I no. don't want to go back there again. No. That was my first time going to a male chiropractor. And I'm like, never again. I'll go to a female chiropractor going forward. Yeah. And I don't have, it's funny. I don't have that um, qualm about going to like a male gynecologist. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I don't Are know. Are you going to say something on the mom's Facebook no, no, no. Because, um, if I know those moms on Facebook, they're going to take his side. Um, I know the community I live in, like some of them will be like, yeah, it do you matter. want it's me not, to look, get on there? <laughs> look, look, you know what it is? It's like a personal thing, right? Cause I think there's other people that I don't know. I don't know the women that might be okay with that kind of stuff, but I'm sure there is. And I just don't feel like that's more energy being sure. expelled on my end. So instead I'm just using this podcast. <laughs> Yes. To let any other people listening that like, don't tell women to smile, especially when you're in the doctor's office. Like, yes, it would be one thing if my hairdresser said this to me, because that's literally his job to make me look better. Right. Right. <laughs> like, that's why I'm there. And especially <laughs> when you feel so ugly when you are <laughs> like- getting a haircut. <laughs> So yeah. if someone tells me like, you should smile, I'd be like, yes, you are right. Thank you for reminding yeah. me to smile. Cause I'm ready to cry, yes. but like not at a doctor's office. Totally. And, and I just want to take it like theoretically one layer deeper. And that is, this is a prime example of objectification, right? He's saying like your purpose in life is to be pretty for men. That is your purpose. Right. And so you know, it's not just like it was an inappropriate thing to say. It's like a very specific example of misogyny. Um, that's, that's it. But I just want to like take else? it, take it like you, one step. Deep. <laughs> but you know, what's funny too, is like, I actually believe I am good looking. Um, I don't think I need a smile to be good looking. I, I feel like I, I, I feel myself. I am attractive to right. myself and yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I was just very, mm, that's not whatever. Anyway. Ugh, I'm Celeste. sorry that happened to you. That's not okay. Let's go back to, so you said pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> so pelvic floor. And then there yes. was one more you said, and that was, uh, for uh, emotional therapy. Yes. So actually, um, vaginismus is the reason that I'm in my practice, the, in the business that I'm in. Um, I experienced vaginismus when I got married, I waited until I was married to have penetrative sex. I was 26. Um, I had penetrative sex for the first time on my wedding day and it was terrible (laughs) because I had grown up in a community that's basically told me, you know, I would be unwantable, unlovable. I'd go to hell if I didn't, if I had sex before I was married. So I ended up having vaginismus and had pretty terrible sex for the first whole year of our relationship, our marriage. It was Um, painful. It was very painful. Yeah. I was able to have penetration, but it was so painful. Like I would just cry. I was like, and I thought like, maybe my vagina was just rusty. Like maybe I just had to just too old or something. I didn't know anything. Cause I'd never get been given much sex education as a young person. And so, um, 
so I went to see an OBGYN after a year and he basically said, Celeste, you just need to have a baby and this will go away, which is terrible advice, <laughs> terrible advice. Um, and so that's not what I did, but I did, I was getting my PhD already at the time. And so I started studying sexuality thinking like there has to be something that I can figure out on my own. Nobody's helping me with this. Um, I don't know who to ask to help with this. So I'll figure it out on my own. So just, I, I literally gave myself the education and I unlearned that message that sex was dangerous, um, you know, through kind of like some therapy and different things. And then all of a sudden, like sex started to become better, um, penetrative sex. So we were having all kinds of other fun kinds of sex, but penetration specifically was just too painful. And so once I was able to give myself education and unlearn that danger message, um, my body started to relax into a sexual experience instead of to shut down. In a sexual experience. So that's why I'm really passionate about this because I do think that sex is kind of like this, um, it's multi-dimensional thing <laughs> that mm -hmm. we do. I don't believe in soul ties or none of that shit, but I do think that it's like, you know, it is, it is something that is, can be, um, bigger than the relationship. It can be, you know, your own experience your own relationship with your own right. sexuality is huge. You know, when you were in the thick of things, like at that time, was your partner supportive? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Nate did not grow up in like a conservative household at all. And so when things were really tough, he was like, I don't necessarily know how to make things better, but he was like, we already do all of this other fun stuff. Like I, I'm good. Like, let's just figure out how to make it, you know, pleasurable for you in this other way. So he was supportive all along the whole way, but he didn't, he didn't know either. Like if I didn't know, he didn't know. Um, so, but yes, he was incredibly supportive. And I think because we struggled so much sexually in our first year of our relation of our marriage, I think that did set us up for having a much more, open relationship, um, a much more, uh, we like know how to communicate pretty well, I think because of that. And so it worked out. We're 16 years in now, so <laughs> we're, we're doing fine. <laughs> you know why I had a different idea of what this was is because I spoke to someone once who told me that they got divorced from their wife, uh, because she had this mm -hmm. and, um, they had also waited until marriage. Mm -hmm. And it was like, he said something like we gave up after two times and then we never had sex again. And Oof. I was just like, oh, I guess it was just physically impossible. Like I, you know, I didn't know what to think because I'd never heard of it yeah. since then. I've heard it many times because now people are more open with that. But yeah. again, I just thought, oh, I guess they need like therapy, like physical therapy. I never thought it was like an emotional response. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why I'm like, my mind is being blown, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. And I want to thank you again for sharing something yeah. so personal. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, helpful to hear because we don't, like you say, we don't talk about it enough and we don't talk about where we struggle in our sex life. We don't talk right. about our bodies enough, especially as vulva owners. And so, um, I appreciate you being willing to let me share. <laughs> um, now I'm wondering if I have it, but, uh, so let me tell you, uh, since you shared a sexual problem, I'll tell you a sexual problem that I'm having right now. Yeah. So when I'm about to have sex with my husband, um, lately when I'm aroused, I feel like the blood, the blood, like 
you know, like, I just feel like so much pressure down there, mm-hmm. like not necessarily fluid wise. It feels like, it feels like when, you know, the blood rushes to your head, I feel like the yeah. blood is rushing to my vagina and yeah. it hurts so much when like, I'm like, oh my God, I need to come quickly. Like I need an orgasm right now. Otherwise I feel like my vagina is going to break off my body. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm having sexual relations with my husband, I'm like, I need to orgasm in the next three minutes. Yeah. Or I I really just can't stand the pain of not having orgasmed. And I don't know what's happened. So I actually called my OBGYN and I have an appointment at the end of the month to talk about it because I was like, I think vagina's broken. Like when I'm aroused, it hurts so much. And then finally, like when I come, it like stops the pain. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what that is. And they're like, look at you in. Um, so do you mind if I, and you can just say, I don't want to answer that question. They're not going to be too invasive. They're just more That's practical fine. questions. I've already talked about this. So let's, let's okay. <laughs> um, so, um, does the orgasm relieve the pressure? Yes. Like immensely. Okay. Uh, right. Like immediately, immediately. Okay. Um, and so sometimes, so the pressure is probably due to just more blood flow to your vulva and your clitoris than maybe you had previously. And it could be for a lot of different reasons. You were on different medications or going through menopause or perimenopause. A lot of different things can cause this kind of increased blood flow to your vulva and your clitoris and your vaginal canal. So it sounds like that's kind of what's happening is you're just getting so aroused that it's putting pressure on. I kind of wonder if you started to do some reverse Kegels um, kind of during, it doesn't have to be during penetration, but just during like that, that arousal Mm -hmm. phase, I wonder if you can release some of that fluid, um, through squirting. I think that might, I've never squirted before. Yeah. You, you probably will be able to do it. Yeah. I I think you might be able to release some of that fluid, um, possibly through squirting. Um, but, uh, but if you just need to maybe rub one out beforehand, so you can, if you wanted to have a longer sex session, like just masturbate beforehand, or, I mean, that's what usually happens. Cause it's not going to do in three minutes with penetration. So I'm just like, hold on, yeah. let me like do myself first. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. But then I'm like, yeah. I just need to get this out because I can't, I mean, like so much, this only happened, yeah. started happening like six months ago. And I'm just like, huh? Yeah. And then the last time we had sex, it just like, after I orgasm, just got like, too, it just closed down. Like, I was like, oh, you can't even put your penis in now. Like, what yeah. the hell? And it yeah. was just like, hmm. Now I'm like, what? I'm not scared of sex. I'm not scared of my husband's yeah. penis. Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Very weird. Very yeah. weird. Um. Oh, God. Now you said that the M word. Am I there? No, I don't think you're there. Perry, Perry before. Perry menopause. Perry menopause. menopause. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But definitely, you know, go get checked out, make sure there's nothing, you know, physically that's that you need to get taken care of. But it sounds like just a whole bunch of blood. I mean, that's what an arousal, that's what arousal is for penises and for clitorises. It's blood flow. Right. Right. And so it sounds like you're just getting an, an excess amount of blood flow to your vulva area. Um, and it's causing some, some pressure, some pain. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to that. Let's take other people's (laughs) questions. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker Hotline. How can we help you? Hi, I, like Celeste, um, grew up in a conservative household and did not have sex until I was married. And I was married for 16 years and just recently got divorced. And I am really interested in a hoe phase. And 
I have the possibility. I've been talking to a guy about meeting up um, soon and I'm not totally sure exactly what I need to be afraid of other than, you know, not getting murdered. (laughs) And I just wondered if you had any advice about, I'm not really concerned anymore. I have deconstructed enough. I'm not concerned about the right or wrong of of the sex or anything. I know use a condom, you know, um, and I have gotten tested after my ex was not being faithful. So I just wondered if there was anything that you could share to kind of help me get over this hump. Um, well, I'll, I'll start. Marie, you probably have something to say to you. No, go ahead. I I definitely (laughs) want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Um, I mean, I think first of all, you rock good for you to congratulations on your divorce. First of all, yes, that's right. Congratulations. Um, and I'm glad that you've deconstructed, um, and it sounds like you're doing all the right things. You, uh, know how to be safe, sane, consensual, right. All of that. Um, Mm -hmm. my, I think my question for you, Jen is, are you worried about something in particular? Your, your question was like, what do I need to be afraid of? But are you worried about something in particular? Like it not being good or. Well, I've only had this one partner Mm -hmm. and the sex ed growing up was negligible if there was any. And so I'm wondering, you know, is just using condoms enough? Um, do I need to be, I don't feel embarrassed about my body or, or anything like that. I explored some within my marriage. Um, but you know, a different person, I've never done this before. Should I require him to have been tested beforehand? I I, want to do casual and I'm not really sure how to do casual. Gotcha. Um, Maria, you might have like a, an answer for this. I always, I I suggest like asking for status. We, um, we typically don't say like, are you clean? It's kind of derogatory terms, but we do ask like, Hey, this is my STI status. I just got recently tested. Do you mind sharing yours? That's what I typically say. Maria, you might have some more to add on how you ask over like that. That's actually, I, I need, people need that template. So say that one more time. Gotcha. Um, so we're trying to end the stigma of STIs like most people have one (laughs) that we can say this, like statistically, most people have one or more. Um, most of them, like all of them are not life-threatening. Like we can do things about all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we typically don't say, are you clean anymore? We used to say, are you clean? Right. Um, but now we say, Hey, you know, this is my STI status just got recently tested. Do you mind sharing yours? Right. That's a nice way to say like, I'm taking this first step of vulnerability. Like, let me know your status, but also you are committed to using condoms, which is a great barrier method of birth control and STI, um, protection. So, you know, I, you, I, you're on the right track, buddy. Yeah, definitely <laughs> on the right track in terms of condoms. And in fact, I would carry two with me. Um, no man okay. will care. I promise right. you, especially <laughs> in a hoe phase that you brought condoms with you. And like, also who gives a shit if they care, they, if they if say they do. anything, exactly. like, okay. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, so that's the first thing. Definitely carry condoms on you. Uh, you know, maybe he has his, but you don't want him to be like, oh, I forgot. Oh, you forgot. It's okay. I have condoms. Um, exactly. So absolutely wrap up. 
Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is you've already picked a guy you want to hoe with. Yep. Oh, you're already there. Uh, so that's fun. How'd you meet him? Let's get, let's give ideas for other people who want to be in how, um, the app, uh, pure, pure, pure. Uh-huh. What is the app? Pure. It sounds like a ballet class. What is the, no, it's like, if you want a hoe face, <laughs> basically, <laughs> why do we not know about this? <laughs> how do we not know about this? Okay. So for the people at pure, if you are looking to advertise on your girlies podcast, <laughs> let's talk. Um, okay. So you're on this app to hook up pure. Yeah. Got it. And, uh, that's awesome. That is so exciting for you. So, you know what I would also do a take a step further. You know, you just got a divorce. You're all shiny, you know, drink that champagne. Don't, you know, the only good things come from a divorce. I promise you. Um, yeah, I want you to also take a moment. Um, after you hook up with him, like right now, you might not be thinking straight right now. You're probably just thinking like, Ooh, I'll be having sex for the first time with a different guy. What's that going to be like? I understand that you're going to be like stressed out, but after that's done, I want you to take a pen and paper and I want you to write down a sexual bucket list and then start <laughs> going down that list. Even tell guys like, Hey, on my bucket list, I want to have a threesome with two guys and uh, do it. Like, yeah. you know, it'll be fun. You can find guys. Uh, I I'm not saying that that's your sexual bucket list, but if it is, if it is add it yeah. in, you know, yeah. and, uh, this is, this is time to do it. Cause now that your inhibitions are a little lower, you can have, you can learn a lot about yourself in this period. Maybe another thing in your sexual bucket list is, um, you know, playing with someone with toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be, that's a very vague statement. There's a lot of ways to interpret that one. So, you know, do what you will with that. Um, maybe you want to, um, travel and meet someone and have sex, or there's just a lot of things that you could do on that sexual bucket list. Celeste, yeah. anything else I should add on the sexual bucket list? I'm just giving a few uh, Well, I, I love the idea of a sexual bucket list. Um, in the practice, we use a term called the erotic sandbox. And Ooh. so sandboxes are fun because they have Ooh. boundary to them, but you can play all you want with freedom on the inside. So if you want to take your bucket list one step further, put a rectangle on your paper and put everything that you're super comfortable with right in the middle. Like, I love to play like this. I love people going down on me. I love, I'll do sex with the lights on. It doesn't have to be wild, right? Just whatever feels really comfortable to you. And then on the edge of your sexual sandbox, maybe stuff you haven't done before or stuff you're curious to try again. Yep. Mm. You're curious. Those are on the edge. And I also want you to put the hell no's on the, on the outside. So this makes a really clear narrative for you about like what your hope is going to look like. Like, like what's inside my sexual, my sexual, uh, my erotic sandbox. I'm really excited to do. What are the little novel things I want to try on the edge and what are my hell knows? So if you're in that situation, maybe one champagne in two champagnes in and somebody's like, Oh, I want to like, can I do you in the butt? And that's on the other side. That's on your hell. No, like you already know that. And so you don't have to make that decision in, in game time moment. So I love erotic sandboxes. I think everybody should do one and you should do them often (laughs) because things. And also you should do it. Even if you are married. Like I, I'm still experimenting with my husband. Like I'm still dating him. So, you know, don't, if you're in a relationship, please don't think that you can't make this brilliant analogy erotic. I'm going to so do that with my husband tonight, erotic sandbox and be like, okay, let's see what we haven't like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I know what my husband's no-nos are. 
but you, but they change. And that's why, like, to your point, you got to do this activity. I still do this activity with my partner, right? You got to do this over time because sometimes your hell knows start to like go into the boundary of like, maybe I want to explore this, you know, tenderly or delicately. Um, but yeah. And some of the inside stuff sometimes goes outside. So yeah, erotic sandboxes are a great, uh, tool to use. I can send you my version, Maria. I'll, I'll email it to you. Well, yeah, not mine, ta- but like oh. the, the, the blank one. <laughs> that, that's excellent. I can't wait to see it. Um, will I be allowed to put it on my stories? Yeah, sure. Go for oh, it. excellent. Then I'm going to do that. That is such a fantastic idea. And thank you so much Les, for uh, giving us that answer. Uh, I hope you thank answered you. your question. Awesome. Yeah, she did. Thank you. I appreciate Have it. Fun. Have fun Thanks. for you. Stay safe. All right. Ask a matchmaker hotline chat box. Someone is asking, I really want to know what is on Celeste's desk. So now let's get ready for descriptive audio from matchmaker Maria. And maybe some AMSR. Is that how you say it? AMSR. Okay. Are you ready? This is, if you're not wearing, if you're not listening to headphones, maybe put on your headphones. (laughs) I know. Okay. So first of all, I have a condom right here. Um, Okay. And this is my condom. Um, I'm going to do condom application, you guys, because so many of us miss Condom 101 application. I know this is the most boring thing that's on my desk. I promise I'll get to the fun stuff, but listen, I'm even going to put it on my fuchsia dildo. Do you know that sex educators educators use oftentimes like fuchsia or different kinds of colors that aren't skin colors because we want to be really inclusive, right? And so we're going to be trauma-informed sex educators and use our fuchsia dildos. Okay. Condom application, super important. Either you need to know how to do it. Or you're going to teach somebody how to do it. You're all going to become sex educators after this hotline. Okay. First thing first, you're going to check the date. You might be in a dark room. So you need to check your dates before you get into that dark room with somebody. Okay. This one is not expired. Perfect. Second thing you're going to do is check for air. Okay. You want air, <laughs> you want air in your, in your little condom packet. Third thing is if you're in the dark, you can open a condom by um, figuring out which side is ridged. It's ridged a little bit like a ketchup packet. So use that ridge side, open it up, not with your teeth, please. We do not want to put any holes in our condoms, although that would be pretty hard to do. All right. Here's our condom little hat, right? We're going to put it on the top of the She's tip of the penis on a fuchsia penis for those listening. <laughs> she's yes. currently putting a condom on a fuchsia colored penis. Continue. And it looks just like a little caterpillar with a hat on. It's real, real <laughs> cute. We love penises. Um, they are all in one systems. And so you're just going to leave a little bit of room in the tip for ejaculate. Right. And then you put it all the way down to the base. Super important to put it all the way down because you don't want it to flip back up inside the vaginal canal. When you're done, you take it off immediately. And if you're going to go again later, you definitely use a new one, guys. All right. That's condom application. I have to teach that every time. for that. (laughs) I have more questions. Ask a matchmaker hotline written in question. The first time I had sex was non-consensual sexual assault. I have had sex since, but it has always been painful and awkward when dating guys. Any advice on how to broach a subject of vaginismus? slash painful sex when dating. Yes. Yes. So first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's not okay. And that's not fair. Mm. Um, second, um, if you are experiencing vaginismus, um, or like you're having painful sex every time something gets penetrated or every time a penis or a finger gets 
penetrated, I would definitely consider going to pelvic floor therapy and or therapy um, at the very least like sex therapy or sex education, um, somebody to help you work through, um, you know, the way that your body feels about sex, right? So because your body's formative sexual experience was non-consensual, your body is trying to protect you. She's doing what it, she's doing her only job, which is to try and protect you. Right. And so she's creating pain around a situation that she perceives is dangerous. And so until, um, you've kind of worked through that with a trauma specialist, a sex educator, a sex therapist, um, I would not actually have penetrative sex for a while, right? Because we actually want your body to start associating sex with pleasure instead of pain. And so remember sex is broadly defined. Sex can be you touching yourself and I'm touching myself and we're both kissing, right? Sex can be grinding. Grinding is so underrated. You guys grind away. <laughs> um, sex can be oral, oral sex. It can be anal, right? It can be all these different things. It does not have to be penis and vagina. That's such a limited view of what sex is defined. So, um, I would suggest to you to take penetrative sex off the table for a while as you get into therapy so that your body can start making some very specific associations of sex, non-penetrative sex with pleasure. Okay. And so over time you can start to introduce a little bit of penetration, like with a finger or a pinky or a small sex toy. And then as that feels comfortable, you can kind of move your way up. But that, that would be what I would do first is give yourself some really hard boundaries. Um, your body likes boundaries. If your brain and your body know without a shadow of a doubt that penetration will not happen, then it can start to relax and have a pleasurable sexual experience. So I hope that feels helpful. Thank you so much for that answer. It's a fantastic answer. One that I did not know how to answer. So I'm happy that you are here to answer that question. Ask a matchmaker hotline written in question. I'm like a fast accelerator, fast break reference from the book. Come as you are. And right before I come all of a sudden the brakes pump and I can't climax. It takes a lot for me to relax. Sometimes I'm so scared of the climax. It's like really intense seizure for me. And when I stick with it, it's great. But more often I just like the fake one and try to get over it, try to get it over with any recommendations. Yeah. So that can be, that can be kind of similar actually to vaginismus, not in the physical way, but in the way that your body is um, kind of anticipating in a negative way. So we're going to call that anxiety, right? The opposite of that kind of a positive anticipation is anxiety. So your body's finding some breaks used uh, Nagoski's reference um, it's finding some breaks around this experience that is pretty intense for you, right? Um, and so I wonder, this is kind of a more complex situation, but I wonder if you maybe do some masturbation on your own to see if you can kind of mitigate some of those breaks because there's not another person present. I wonder if you can really start to broaden your idea of what great sex is. Maybe for you, sometimes great sex is actually not having an orgasm because it's so intense. Like allow yourself to be okay sometimes with like, you know what, I'm really going to have this beautiful, pleasurable experience without that anxious, anxious, the anxiety of this 
like kind of bananas experience of orgasm that is so intense for you. Um, and so broadening your definition, do you know that when we ask people what their favorite part of sex is, most people say it's that arousal or plateau phase before orgasm. It sounds like you're hitting those phases. And so if that is really pleasurable, then maybe um, do that at times, but it's a complex thing, but maybe that would, would be some places to start. Ask a matchmaker hotline, another written in question. Hi, I'm a squirter. I have been ever since I became sexually active at 17. I've gone through phases where I have been super self-conscious about it. It gets really messy. I always wonder if it gets confused as pee by men who haven't experienced it before. I want to learn more about the science of it. Is there any research that actually tells us what is happening when a woman squirts? Why do some women do it and others don't? Um, parentheses, someone else had asked something about squirting, which was on the topic of squirting, squirting, never experienced it before personally, but, but does this occur before or, or during or after orgasm? So I just want to put that in parentheses because it seems like we can do a little two for one here. Perfect. Okay. So let's talk about the science of squirting. Um, as you probably can guess science about sex for people who own vulvas is underfunded and underdone. It's um, getting better. But so the science we have about squirting and the G spot, which is what we're going to talk about in a second, is minimalist, minimal ish, right? Um, so essentially, squirting is when fluid exits the urethra. That's typically where your urine comes out um, during a sexual experience. We have tested this fluid and it is there are traces of urine, but most of it is actually interstitial fluid, kind of like a saline type of solution um, that exits the body. So it can be as small as like a teaspoon. It can be up to like a cup um, that's that's going to typically have a little bit more urine in it when you have more, right? So what happens is the, I'm going to use my, I'm going to describe this verbally for those of you listening, but I'm going to also use some visuals. What happens is inside the vaginal canal, there is um, a spot. We typically call it the G spot. Although I don't love calling it the G spot because, um, this man, this doctor named Dr. Grafenberg named it after himself. And I just don't feel like female parts should be named after male doctors, um, like the fallopian tubes, but eventually we'll probably call it the clitoral complex. That's like, you heard it here first on, uh, ask a matchmaker, Maria, hotline. The clitoral complex is inside the vaginal canal on the front side. So towards your belly button side. Okay. Inside the vaginal canal, your front side about a knuckle or two in everybody's body is different, but about a knuckle or two in on the front side. And that's little space has tissue. That's a little bit different than the rest of your vaginal canal. And it actually surrounds the urethra. So where your pee comes out. So when you get really uh, aroused and that blood flow goes to your vulva, um, that, that special area of tissue actually pushes fluid into the urethra and out of the body. It, I know you're like <laughs> blowing my mind right now. <gasps> Yay, so wait, the, I mean, so the G spots that like spongy part inside, right? Mm -hmm. Like it feels yep. like different. It feels different, like a peach pit or waves, right. lazy, lazy potato And you're saying kind of. that that section there pushes fluid into the urethra because it's surrounding it. 
Yes, exactly right. That's exactly right. So we think I am definitely not drinking enough water because I know exactly where my G spot is, but I have never squirted. I need to like start drinking like 10 cups. I I barely drink like five glasses of water a day. (laughs) I really want to experience this and I've never been able to. Well, to be honest, I think you could do it regardless of how much water you're drinking because you're having a lot of that blood flow already to the area. So I mm-hmm. think if you actually relaxed into it, it will feel like you have to pee that that's mm-hmm. what squirting feels like. It feels like you have to pee. So you kind of have to relax into it and put some pretty heavy pressure on the G spot. That's why G spot toys are curved like this. Mm-hmm. So you can put pressure on the G spot, um, and then kind of relax into it, or maybe even do that reverse Kegel and see if liquid comes out. Um, and so that's what it is. That's how it happens. It does not happen always with orgasm. In fact, most of the time it's not necessarily with orgasm. It's just, it's just fluid exiting the body. And I'll be honest. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily feel particularly good. It is popular right now because porn makes it popular. Like porn, um, pushes the narrative on what is popular in sex. And so it's popular right now. If you watch porn and see somebody squirting across the room, that's fake. (laughs) That doesn't really necessarily happen. That's probably just pee. Um, but that's kind of what it is. Nothing to be ashamed of or worried about if you're trying to do it for the first time or try, or you typically do squirt, put some towels down, no big deal. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what it is. I hope that answered, answered those questions about the science of squirting. Fantastic (laughs) answer. I'm learning so much. I know my listeners are learning a lot. Okay. I got one last question. I got one last random question. And I now understand like why people did not want to like pick up the phone on this particular episode. I'm getting a lot of written questions and it's okay. This is a really good one. I'm really happy we're ending this with this question. Ask a matchmaker hotline written in question started seeing someone that I really like, and I think we can both see this being long-term potential life partner, excellent communication, strong attraction and connection on the same page, comfortable and safe. I'm really happy with it all except the sex. His penis is really small and I'm really trying to get myself past that and not overthink it but I'm just not sure it's going to be satisfying. I know toys and other options, but I really like penetrative sex and I'm worried this will get in my way. Any advice for a partner that's too small, someone you really think might be a great match. I just want to say that like, I think it's awesome that it's not a hell no from the beginning. Like, I think it's awesome that you're just trying to figure out a way to work it out because you see that there's other things that are really, everything you just said is also really hard to find. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I think they're very lucky to have found you because you're, you're trying to figure out a solution. So let's see if we, we can come up with one. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that is coming up for me is that it's helpful to remember that sex is always, always, always a negotiation between two people. Right. And so this is just part of that negotiation. Um, there are absolutely things you can do. If you specifically love penetrative sex, there are penis sleeves. You throw on a, I don't have one here. What? What is a penis sleeve? Like you can't just say yeah. words and like, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's penis sleeves. You have a so penis sleeve is... in your hand. She's holding a thing I've never seen before. So this is just a regular male masturbator. It's just a jelly toy that has open ends and you put it, I'll show you, you put it on the penis and it just feels like a vagina or an anus. 
Um, you, you need to use it with lubricant. I don't have any lubricant on, but it looks like this kind of you just put it over the penis and you go to town. You just moves it up and down again. I don't have lubricant on, so it's not gonna move, but what um, do you, is that what you would Google penis sleeve? Yes. So this is a male masturbator, but you can find just penis sleeves would actually, would actually is this go what over circumcised them. men use because I'm pretty sure non-circumcised men already have that built in. That's correct. That's exactly right. So if, uh, circumcised men, this is like a circumcised penis, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And very veiny and very erect and straight, which is not all accurate, but, um, yes. So it's like basically making a sheath for, okay. for the penis. And so you so can what get could someone with a small penis do to use that. It would extend it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes it thicker and it can make it longer. So a penis sleeve kind of just, just rides right over the penis and it can feel really good in the vaginal canal. Another option are C rings or cock rings, which are placed on the, here's one, um, which are placed on the base of the penis after the penis is erect. And it actually holds the blood flow inside the penis. Here we go. So it holds the blood flow inside the penis and can make the penis a little bit bigger because it's kind of like capturing the blood flow into the shaft of the penis. So um, cock rings can do that. You can get cock rings or constriction rings with a vibrator on top. So you're basically turning the penis into like a vibrator, which is kind of fun. It can um, hit your clitoris that way. So I think, you know, if this guy is like everything that you have been looking for and it's like a a uh, green light in every other area. I'm, I'm in the business of helping people navigate different, different sex expectations. And I think most people have different sex expectations. Um, I don't personally believe that people are inherently compatible or not compatible sexually, because I'm in the business of helping them become compatible. <laughs> so I'm not going to inherently believe that they are, and they aren't. Um, I think there are things that you can do behaviorally to help with the areas in which you, uh, feel are not compatible right now. So, and you could also use like toys to penetrate, like he could use yeah. toys on you. Yeah. Could a man wear, this is a, probably a stupid question, but could a man also wear like a strap, a strap on? on? Absolutely. And they make hollow strap on. I don't so know why actually... I just whispered that. So a stra- I thought strap on. <laughs> a strap on. I don't have one on my desk, unfortunately. Um, but yes, absolutely. You can, they do make, um, hollow, hollow strap-ons. So what is a want, hollow strap-on? You just put the penis inside the strap-on. Why did you start with that? That's like <laughs> the first answer. Hold up. Why? Because it doesn't feel as good for him. That's why it doesn't. Yeah. Wait, um, hold up. Okay. So what would you search? Uh, you would search for a hollow strap-on. Yes. Hold on. I'm going to search this right now. I am so curious to see what this looks like because it might be like a stress strap on with a sleeve. Let me see what I cannot wait for the ads. I'm going to get later on Facebook. Um, Oh friend, you would not believe what I get. Actually you probably would. Um, Wow. There's one that's glow in the dark. Absolutely. What? They sell it at Sears. (laughs) What? What is happening? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. If they're, by the way, at the top, I just want to, I'm going to share my screen for a second. Yeah. Um, at the top, as I've Googled this, it's <laughs> their sales mm-hmm. event is a called blow blowout out. event. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you go to Sears, you can get $10 off too. Uh, it just pops up. Um, $10 so yeah, off that, that's fine. 
I did not I'm know gonna, that there was a strap on that you could put your penis in. I just thought, oh, he could wear a strap on that's on top of his penis. And you, and that's, yeah, you can do that too. You can definitely do that. Too. And maybe if you feel the pressure, another solution could be like anal sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. so it's a, it's a great suggestion. Anal sex can feel really, really good. And you can penetrate your, the vagina with a dildo or a vibrator, and he can be penetrating you anally. And so you get that feeling of penetration with something a little bit bigger, but you also get all of that really fun feeling of anal play and those great stretch receptors in the anus that feel really, really good. So lots and lots of options out there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I am really, really happy to hear this and, um, man, what a fantastic episode this was. Uh, I am so excited to see what people are going to do with these answers. In fact, the person who um, asked that question about penises, she actually just wrote, um, thank you so much. This made me laugh out loud and my jaw dropped. These were such great suggestions. I don't love vibrators with partner sex, but it makes toys sound intimidating, but this was really helpful. Um, listen, if this was helpful to you, you know, why not just play around a little bit, see what happens. But also I think it all comes down to like communication. Mm. He knows his penis is small. He's not dumb. At least I hope he's not right. So if a man has a small penis, he knows he has a small penis. And I think it's just a matter of just like, look, I want this to work. Let's make it work. What can we do to make it work? And one thing that you could do, it seems like is contact Celeste. (laughs) book a discovery call with her. So Celeste, let's end this episode by telling people, how can people find you if they want to work with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Celeste, Dr. Celeste Holbrook. Um, and you can find me at drcelestholbrook.com. I do zoom sessions with anybody. Somebody was asking about working with somebody who's in Canada. Yes, absolutely. I can work with people in Canada or anywhere in the world. Um, all of my sessions are zoom. They're about 55 minutes and we just kind of go through what's going on and, um, you will end the session with an action plan. So contact me. Let's do this. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love that you're here. Don't forget to go follow Dr. Celeste Holbrook on Instagram. And if you're not already, obviously follow me, Matchmaker Maria, and follow the podcast, Ask a Matchmaker. That way you know every single week what new episode is out. Uh, Dr. Celeste Holbrook, thank you again for coming on the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. We're definitely going to have you on again, I'm sure, in a couple months. I'm certain of it. You always get sex, good sex questions. I would love to. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, hopefully this, you know, next time when I tell people like, Hey, I'm having Dr. Celeste Holbrook on, you know, you get yourself. I mean, there was a lot of people on this live, but you know, the visuals, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) is where it's at. And you're missing out on a audio podcast, the visuals of this specific episode. I'm so happy to have you. And thank you for listening to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Again, I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. And if you're not following me on Instagram, go ahead and follow. That way you get the link every time we do a live hotline. You want to be here for those visuals. Today was one <laughs> of those episodes. Go follow, go follow Ask a Matchmaker while you're at it. And hey, if you want to give a five-star review, I'm not going to stop you. Go give a five-star review to your girl, Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Uh, of course, as we end each and every episode, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week.